The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. We've got more corporate fascism. We've got more conservatives being denied, such as a Parkland shooter a victim who was denied admission to a college. We also have a Supreme Court case that I want to get into as well. I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in. This is almost going to sound like part two to, to last week's show because it's a continuation. You know, we've got more corporate fascism. And when I mean corporate fascism, I mean they're taking capitalism, enhancing themselves in a business sense, gaining market share, just like a business should be able to do. And then when they're at the right level, they team up with the government And then the government steps in and is their regulator. The government steps in and is their hammer to their competition and to viewpoints that they want to see pushed through. And then to capitulate the government, they then attack political rivals. And so a lot of that has been going on. We had a case that came through from the Supreme Court. Justice Kavanaugh had the the big takeaway. You know, he had the big, uh, dis- he, he wrote the reasoning behind it. And then we had a dissent that was, you're really going to be surprised when you see where I go with this. But all right, Time Warner, they're a cable system in Manhattan. They're known as Charter. Under state law, this is actually from the Supreme Court uh, decision. Under state law, Time Warner must set aside some channels on its cable system for public access. New York City, the city itself, has designated a private nonprofit corporation named Manhattan Neighborhood Network, otherwise known as MNN. They have designated them to be Time Warner's public access channel in Manhattan. They're the ones that are going to run that channel. And so this case involves a complaint against MNN regarding its management of the public access channels. Dee Halleck and Jesus uh, Papaletto Melendez, they both produced a public access show that they wanted aired on MNN. They made a film specifically about MNN's alleged neglect of the East Harlem community. So they decide they're going to put out this film that is in (laughs) complete criticism against the network that it's going to, that is going to air it. So Halleck submitted the film to MNN for airing on the public access channel. MNN televised it. Afterwards, MNN fielded multiple complaints about the film's content. In response, MNN temporarily suspended Halleck from using the public access channels. So there is some sort of uh, censorship going on here. Now, Halleck and Melendez soon became embroiled in another dispute with MNN staff. In the wake of that, MNN ultimately suspended them from all MNN services and uh, facilities. So Halleck and Menendez then sued them, among other parties, in federal district court. The two producers claimed that 
MNN violated their First Amendment free speech rights when MNN restricted their access to the public access channels because of the content of their film. Well, MNN moved to dismiss the producer's First Amendment claim on the grounds that MNN is not a state actor, therefore is not subject to First Amendment restrictions on its editorial discretion. So you see why this is a a big case. We can start to implement these ideas towards social media. Going back to the deci- or going back to the decision, the district court agreed with MNN and dismissed the producer's First Amendment claim, but then the second court reversed that in the relevant part. In the majority opinion authored by Judge Newman and joined later by Judge Lawyer, the court said that public access channels in Manhattan are a public forum for purposes of the First Amendment, reasoning that public forums are usually operated by governments. The court concluded that MNN is a state actor subject to the First Amendment constraints. Judge Lawyer added that a concurring opinion explaining that MNN also qualifies as a state actor for the independent reason that New York City delegated to MNN the traditionally public function of administering and regulating speech in the public forum of Manhattan's public access channels. Now, the court's cases... Uh, Under the court's cases, a private entity may qualify as a state actor when it exercises powers traditionally exclusively reserved to the state. It is not enough that the federal and state or even local government exercised the function in the past or still does. And it is not enough that the function serves the public good or in the public interest in some way. Rather, to qualify as a traditional exclusive public function within the meaning of our state action precedents, the government must have traditionally and exclusively performed the function. The producers retort that the case differs from a previous case because New York City has designated MNN to operate the public access channel on Time Warner's cable system and because New York State heavily regulates MNN with respect to public access channels. Under this court's cases, However, those facts do not establish that MNN is a state actor. New York City's designation to MNN to operate the public access channel is analogous to the government license or a government contract or a government-granted monopoly. But as the court has long held, this is coming from Kavanaugh. Yeah, Kavanaugh. But as the court has long held, the fact that the government license and contracts and grants of of a monopoly to a private entity do not convert the private entity into a state actor unless the private entity is performing a traditional, exclusive public function. Numerous private entities in America obtain government licenses, contracts, granted monopolies. If those facts suffice to transform a private entity into a state actor, a large swath of private entities in America would suddenly be turned into state actors and be subject to a variety of constitutional constraints on their activities, as this court's many state action cases uh, amply demonstrate, that is not the law. Here, therefore, the city's designation of MNN to operate the public access channels on Time Warner's cable system does not make MNN a state actor. So, too, New York's extensive regulation of MNN operation of the public access channels does not make them a state actor. Under the state's regulations, airtime on the public access channels must be free and programming must be aired 
on a first-come, first-served basis. Those regulations restrict MNN's editorial discretion and, in effect, require MNN to operate almost like a common carrier. But under the court's cases, those restrictions do not render MNN a state actor. In the Jackson versus Metropolitan, uh, Metropolitan Edison Company, the leading case on point, the court stated that the fact that a business is subject to state regulation does not by itself convert its action into that state or into that of the state. In that case, the court held a heavily regulated privately owned utility enjoying at least a partial monopoly in the providing of electrical service within its territory was not a state actor. The court explained that the mere existence of a regulatory scheme, even if extensive and detailed, would not render it a state actor. So that's what Kavanaugh was basically getting at. The gist of what he said is under the state action doctrine, it has been articulated and applied by our precedents. We conclude that operation of public access channels on a cable system is not traditional exclusive public functions. Moreover, a private entity such as MNN, who oper opens its property for speech by others, is not transformed by the fact alone into a state actor. In operating the public access channels, MNN is a private sector, not or private actor, not a state actor, and MNN therefore is not subject to First Amendment constraints on its editorial discretion. We reverse, in relevant part, the the judgment of the second court and remand the case for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. So. I get where Kavanaugh's going with this, but there's a, there's a little bit more to it. Kavanaugh is making the capitalist stance, the conservative stance on its face. You know, Time Warner, private company. The government says, hey, yeah, you got to do these things if you want to operate here. And they do. But if they have an entity that is operating those channels, that's a private entity, well, if the private entity doesn't want to air something, they can censor it and pull it off. The problem herein is how that entity was designated to run the channel. That's my problem. I, I mean, I, I may be looking at this the wrong way, but, you know, in, in Virginia, municipalities actually offer the contract to the cable company because you don't want a ton of cable companies digging up, putting in lines. It's the same concept as electricity companies and what have you, cable companies, competing cable companies, you would have tons of lines buried into the ground and it would become a cluster. So the city decides to step in and, and go, okay, here's the one that's going to best meet our city's needs and we're going to allow them the contract to operate and put the cable in the ground. So they become a monopoly. Now there is competing forces satellite, you know, streaming channels now. I mean, so it's not a complete monopoly. But if you want cable, reliable cable that <laughs> reliable, if you know our cable company, they ain't so reliable around here. But if you want, you know, hardwired cable, you have to go through a certain company. Well, if the government's function is to operate the cable access channel and then they turn around and go yeah this nonprofit organization Manhattan neighborhood uh, network we're going to we're going to let them run it and then they go around censoring whatever they want to censor on there how did they get that ability to become the enforcer of 
that network, of that channel. Government had to provide it in their contract. So do they become a state actor? Here's the interesting part, and this should show you that I'm pretty cut and dry. I'm pretty objective. This is Justice Sotomayor, and I actually kind of agree with her. Yeah, shocker. The court tells a very reasonable story about a case that is not before us. I write to address the one that, that actually is. This is a case about an organization appointed by the government to administer a constitutional public forum. It is not, as the, as the court suggests, a private property owner that simply opened up its property to others. New York City, the city itself, secured a property interest in public access television channels when it granted a cable franchise to the cable company. State regulations require those public access channels to be made open to the public on terms that render them a public forum. The city contracted out the administration of the forum to a private organization, Petitioner Manhattan Community Access uh, Corporation. By accepting that agency uh, relationship, MNN stepped into the city's shoes and thus qualifies as a state actor subject to the First Amendment like any other. I have to agree with her on this one because they're assuming the role. Yeah, it's not a state actor uh, in the the terms of what their entity is, but they're stepping into the role. They're doing the job that the government doesn't want to do. So they should be subjected to the same rules as if the government was handling it. Is this some sort of workaround we're going to go through now? Is Time Warner going to be able to go, hey, uh, we're going to set up here in uh, Indiana, but let's make sure that you, if you bring us on, we're going to make sure that our public access channels are run by private entities that you deem allowed to enforce the rules. The reason why I bring all this up is because this is going to have impacts into social media, into the shadow banning and the elimination of conservative voices. This is going to be what gets cited. So you have to be aware of these things going on in the background. We talked extensively about Steven Crowder being removed from YouTube because somebody from Vox got their panties all in a bunch and got butt hurt, and so they lobbied YouTube, and their company did, and they ended up pulling them, demonetizing them. Well, you know, what happens when... These kind of things between whether what is a platform versus what is a publisher come up in a debate and they say, well, it doesn't matter. It's a private business, so they can do whatever they want. That's the usual go to side. But no one is considering the fact that a publisher can be sued for libel and slander for information on their plat on their outlet. A platform just gives the space, gives the community access channel open and available to the individual to say what they want to say. So when that that platform definition will be upheld as being able to edit and designate what speech should be on or off the platform, what should be on the community access channel or not, that's when we get into some serious issues because they can avoid libel and slander lawsuits, but then at the same time, they can take you off the air just because they don't like your opinions. So that Supreme Court ruling was pretty troubling. Again, Kavanaugh letting us down in a Gorsuch-type fashion because we didn't want him in the first place. We defended him and his attacks on him 
You know, we, we pointed those out because anybody could get smeared just like they did with Steven Crowder. They did it to him with, you know, ping pong, uh, beer pong games and, and rape trains and, and you know, uh, Christy Blase Ford up there lying and, and whining about how he was inappropriate with her when he didn't even really know her. We wanted Amy Coney Barrett on this program. Maybe she'll be up next, but we have to realize what we got from Kavanaugh was no different than Kennedy and is more in line with Gorsuch. And what they just did with this MNN case can have potential blowback for the fight that we're trying to have over how social media should be handled with conservative voices or not. So this ruling that was just passed might have some implications towards what's happening with conservatives being run off of different social media platforms. And I don't know. It's hard to say because they're basically siding with the business entity as they should to a degree, but there's an, there's nuances involved where maybe the government is mandating as a part of their contractual deal, a place for people to operate but then they're giving it over to a private nonprofit entity that's basically censoring people when if it was the government running it, they would have no choice to keep it open. I'm not advocating for government intervention by any means. I'm just letting you know that the facts on the ground were part of the contract was you're going to have to allow an open space for the public to operate. And then they gave it over to a private entity and they sided with them. But, you know, that's... the. This is happening across the board. It's not just social media where we're getting sniped out on conservative voices. Look at what happened with Kyle Kashev. If you remember who he is, when the Parkland shooting happened, there was multiple people that were propped up by the left. Marjorie Stone, uh, Douglas High School, gets shot up by a crazed gunman. And then they start trotting out David Hogg, who's this up-and-coming journalist who graduated. And they, they turn him into this... You know, this activist journalist, they basically say, well, you can't criticize him because he's he's, you know, just turned 18. Emma Gonzalez, you know, she is the Aleppo girl of the of gun mass shootings. But then there was a conservative sort of a counterpart to it. And that was Kyle Kashub. He was in that school, same area that David Hogg was, and he defended Second Amendment rights, and he was outspoken and adopted by a lot of conservative thinkers. Turning Point USA gave him a gig. You know, he was up there with Ben Shapiro, taking pictures with the president and and various different people. Uh, I think he took pictures with Vice President Pence and things of that nature. Well, he was going to Harvard. Now, granted, David Hogg got a free ride into Harvard, didn't even have the grades to get in there. (laughs) I don't even know if he made it through. But Kyle Kashev actually worked hard to get there, and he put this message out. Harvard rescinded my acceptance three months after being admitted to the Harvard class of 2023. Harvard has decided to rescind my admission over text and comments made nearly two years ago. Now, apparently he was playing a video game with his buddies. He was in a chat room. He dropped some N-words, probably not the best thing to do when he was like 16 or so, and some people that now have a grudge against him because of his political beliefs dredge that stuff up when he proactively took it upon himself to apologize. So, you know, I mean, he put it out there. He apologized. It's not like he went blackface. 
It's not like he tried to pretend he didn't go blackface as governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam. <coughs> but Kyle Kashev um, has been removed from or rescinded from going to Harvard. You know, he, he talked about, he said a few weeks ago, I was made aware of egregious and callous comments classmates and I made privately years ago when I was 16 years old, months before the shooting, in an attempt to be as extreme and shocking as, as possible, and he immediately apologized. And then after the apology, speculative articles were written. Peers used the opportunity to attack him. His life was uh, threatened and put on headlines again. You know, it, and he, he has letters listed that he posted to his social media, basically talking about how he felt bad about it and how he's grown over time and, and apologized. But Harvard, no, they're not backing down because he's a conservative. Now, it's Harvard. It's universities. We know conservatives have absolutely no place. <laughs> they're not welcome there. You can't even go on campus as Steven Crowder tried to do. But I think it's, it's worth noting that if these if some of these schools are state funded, well, there's a problem there. Now you're getting into the opposite of what we just dealt with, with an entity, a private entity acting as a state, uh, you know, a state actor. So what happens in the case of Kyle Kashuk? I don't know, but see, that's the thing is we have to realize they will destroy us in any square possible. It's not just social media. It's not just community access television. It's not just colleges and universities. Anywhere that you want to stand up for conservative values, you will be a pariah. You'll be made a pariah. And then they will vilify you. And then they will just erase you or end you. Because they're not happy with the grounds that they gain politically. You know, if they move the ball across the goal line and get the same-sex marriage or get the climate change or any of that stuff, get the reparations that they're trying to pull they're not done with those things. They want to politically decimate and destroy you just for being somebody who believes in limited government and believes in natural rights, you know, from your creator. So we're not done with this situation by any means. It's going to go on. Combat flip-flops, bad for running, worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops is a veteran-owned company that funds education and demining Everything combat flip-flops manufactures is made in an area of conflict or post-conflict, like Afghanistan, Colombia, Laos. And you can check out more about combat flip-flops by checking out the TED Talk by Combat Flip-Flops CEO Matt Griffin on YouTube. You can also use the promo code SLADE25, and you will get 25% off of your first purchase. Go to CombatFlipFlops.com. That's CombatFlipFlops.com. This is Adrian Slade. So Kyle Kashev, or Kyle Kashev, I, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but apparently he is now being banned from Harvard, and Harvard's a private entity. It's a nonprofit, private organization, but do realize they get federal funding, they get federal research funding, they benefit from tax exemption, uh, you know, write-offs, these things should be factored in when you think about how they go about choosing who they want to admit into their college. You know, this, he already was admitted. He already was, you know, allowed to be a part of it. They went back and retroactively did it. I saw a lot of people online saying, well, you know, 
Harvard turns away people all the time. No, this guy already received the, the letter, all right? They just didn't like the fact that he was a conservative or a conservative of, you know, notoriety. And I say that because if you're on Twitter or if you're on Facebook and you're out there peddling some stuff that's conservative and you got 20, 30 followers, they're not going to mess with you. They might a little bit. But if you start making waves and you start gaining a following, yeah, then, then you, are, you are to be afraid. You are to be the, uh, the one to be banished to the ghettos, banished to the closets of social media to where you're yelling and you're, you're pissing in the wind. No one is hearing what you're screaming. So we got to realize that Harvard doing what they're doing especially in the, in the fact that they're dealing with the lawsuit right now against Asians for discrimination and racism, it's not a good look, you know? If you're just going to ban some kid who said some bad words when he was 16, you know, and he's going he's gonna to save himself a couple hundred grand in liabilities to, you know, to Harvard. And maybe he can pay for it with Libra. Yeah, maybe Libra will be the way we fund all of these institutions of higher learning because Facebook has launched a cryptocurrency. Yeah, they're in a bid to shake up global finance. It's called the Libra. Facebook announced the digital currency called Libra that will allow its billions of users to make financial transactions across the globe in a move that could potentially shake up the world's banking system. Libra is being touted as a means to connect people who do not want to have access to traditional banking platforms with close to 2.4 billion people using Facebook each month, Libra could be a financial game changer, but will face close scrutiny as Facebook continues to reel from series of privacy scan- uh, scandals. Yeah, there's your problem right there. Do you really think you're going to get a lot of people using Libra after you've basically banished them for their viewpoints? I mean, how does that work for conservatives? How does that work down the road if you're paid in Libra? And next thing you know... You- well, your Libra's not worth anything anymore because you're a racist, sexist, homophobic, homophobic bigot, xenophobe, whatever, xylophone. They're going to ruin you financially. I'm telling you, we need to build a conservative economy because this is the only way to fight this. We need to build, we need to build partnerships with people who have a conservative or libertarian viewpoint that know how to make payment processing Systems that know how to make social media platforms that know how to make online, uh, you know, selling outlets because they're not going to let us play on their rules. And the corporate, this is the, the crux of the of the show for this week and last week is that we cannot blindly assume that corporations are on our side. We cannot blindly assume that they have our best interests at heart. It always happens that way. We marvel at the technology. You know, we, we see a new product come out and we're like, wow, this is amazing. Look what this thing can do. Yeah, Alexa or um, Google Home. Let's put that in your house. Wow, it can do all these cool things. It can turn up the temperature in your house. It could, yeah, it could also spy on you because the other side, while we're sitting there, marveling at capitalism's fruits and and all of the great products that come out and the services, you know, their drone flying, Amazon deliveries to your house. We have to think, what is the other side thinking? They're already weaponizing these things. 
I make the joke all the time now. People put up videos of Sophie, the, you know, the AI, the artificial intelligence robot, or they put up, you know, a delivery robot that this company's planning on using. I was like, well, what happens if you're a conservative? Is that robot going to come up and pull you out of your house and beat you senseless in the front yard? Are the delivery items that you get going to be dropped out into the ditch in the backyard? I don't know. I mean, we have to realize technology is being weaponized against us as we marvel at it. And it's across the board. So we have to realize that we cannot assume that every business is out there for capitalism and is out there for freedom because most of them want to be in line with the left and big government. I mean, how about this? This is Washington Post. Now, who owns the Washington Post? Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Yeah. Guess what they had in their newspaper? Official Chinese propaganda, now online from WAPO. This is from the Atlantic, of all places. As I never tired of saying, China Daily is my favorite newspaper in the world, but it's conceivable that not every visitor to the Washington Post website would know the reason for my fondness and loyalty. China Daily is a state-controlled English-language voice of the Chinese government to the outside world, sometimes this makes it useful sources of intel for about the line that the government wants to push. For instance, it's recent revelation that most nations oppose the choice of uh, Liu Jiabo as the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. I hope I got that name right. Very often, the hyper earnestness of its approach makes it a delight. So basically, WAPO has been carrying the water for the Chinese government. And that would be Jeff Bezos. Why is he dealing with China? Why is, why is he wanting to move us to a point where we're financially capitulating to China? Because when China lets you into their borders, when China allows you to do business with its population, they own portions of the company. That's a requirement. It's a state-owned requirement. So when Facebook is worried about privacy You know, when Facebook is also worried about um, or when Google is worried about whether or not they should suppress certain certain search engine functions in China. Well, they have to because China is going to be on the board. And so if these people are willing to sacrifice everything the United States stands for just so that they can gain those new customers that are untouched, I think that's the reason why we're even messing with Iran that way. Is there a whole new group of individuals, a whole market that's untouched that you can now tap into? Are you that greedy? (laughs) I mean, yes, there's nothing wrong from someone wanting to expand their business space. But there also should be someone uh, there also there also should be some sort of ethical standard to go. Do I do business with this government who despises our country and wants to? take our technology and, and counterfeit it? I mean, really, the F-35s. It just came out that the F-35s have Chinese um, microchips in our, in our fighter airplanes. Do you think China's not collecting intel? I mean, this is one of the things that we have to think of because we are allowing big corporations to push a socialist line and if you are a conservative and don't want to follow that line, 
you're going to be 86th from the entire economy. This portion of the program is sponsored by Cat Coolers. So rugged, it changes everything. They keep ice cold for up to seven days. Made in the United States, customizable, four different colors, white, black, yellow, even camouflage. Look, if you're going out on the lake doing some fishing, it's beach weather. Maybe you're going camping with the kids. Maybe you're in the Boy Scouts. Maybe you want to take the cooler out on the job site. For those people that work with you, this thing will keep your items cool for hours. Spring, summer, right around the corner, picnicking, outdoor season is upon us, boys and girls. A cat cooler will be your new best friend. Keep your food and drink fresher, colder, longer. Go to catcoolers.com. Use the promo code Adrian. Catcoolers.com. Use the promo code Adrian, and you will pick up an amazing Gibraltar-esque, sturdy, rugged cooler that will keep your items cold for hours. So with corporate socialism becoming a big thing, I, I said this last week, I'm no longer a capitalist. I identify myself as a free marketer. I mean, think about this. MasterCard is now going to allow transgender people to put whatever name they identify with on their card. So now I get to be Ambrosia Alexis is amazing on my MasterCard. Hooray for inclusion and tolerance, you know? I mean, I, see, I've realized that capitalism is a dead term. It's akin to the way, you know, they label conservatism or identifying yourself as such. It's lost its luster. Those proclaiming their conservatism are many times a million miles away from encompassing the true definition of the word. They feel that simply voting for a particular party's candidate automatically makes you a conservative. But these same individuals will cry for government solutions to a cultural or economic problem like the big tech. Break them up. Let's use the government. Well, no, <laughs> no. But also don't give them prefer governmental preferential treatment for them silencing you. But government solutions are not a conservative principle. And many will ask, you know, the, my premise, they'll ask the question of my premise by saying, well, then uh, what do you believe conservatism means? The meaning of conservatism and how we view the way government and our lives work together is, are we trying to conserve constitutionality? Are we trying to conserve founding principles? Are we trying to conserve the natural rights afforded to us by our creator? Do we believe a codified document that is the fundamental foundation of our nation was, that was drafted to shield those natural rights from our human nature to infringe upon them for our own selfish desires? Do we believe in conserving that? Well, if we believe so, and answer yes, then we would be considered a conservative. Many candidates who run in election primaries in order to become the nominee of a party, they claim they're conservative. You know, Mitt Romney was out there calling himself a Reagan Republican, which is laughable. But they've destroyed that term. At that time, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm no longer conservative. I'm a constitutionalist because that's what matters to me is our constitutionality. And the same can be said for the term capitalism. The idea of capitalism or being a capitalist has been misconstrued. It's been abused. It's stripped of its meaning. The entire social media attack on, on Steven Crowder of YouTube demonetizing him under the guise of banning white supremacy and neo-Nazis was just one example of this phenomenon. So, you know, like the social media fascism, that's just one example. The other part of the Crowder story was the elimination 
of his ability to sell his merchandise. As soon as the YouTube news came out, Shopify removed his merchandise from its platform. And see, we assume that those who engage in capitalism would advocate for its continued success. We didn't expect them to exploit it and then wreck it. We marveled at the innovations and the fruits of capitalism while the left was scheming to infiltrate it and crafting it to use as a weapon against us. They've been doing it the whole time. That's the crux of the issues with the up-and-coming tech and the world uh, and the advancement of artificial intelligence. I mean, it doesn't matter what the vehicle is. If there's something culturally popular in its own organic way, well, then they want to take it and exploit it. I mean, that's what they did with Facebook and Google. That's what they're doing with Netflix and Spotify. Netflix is being overrun with all of these documentaries that are all socialist propaganda and all of these people jumping on board. Susan Rice and Obama's getting in on the mix. And you got Beto O'Rourke dom- uh, documentaries and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez documentaries. Same thing with Spotify. They've got Obama and, and Bill and Hillary Clinton putting out podcasts and doing series on there. Because anything and everything that they can exploit is in their crosshairs. It's like the business of sports, Major League Football. They're targets because people congregate there, and so they have to penetrate the congregation with their leftism. I mean, I remember when they did this with television, like Comedy Central. They used to be a great channel. They specifically did it with The Daily Show. It began as just a show that mocked the news and pulled pranks on people and made funny skits. I remember A. Whitney Brown, who's a great comedian, was uh, at this convention of these people who are religious uh, cultists who think that a spaceship was going to come down and take them to the planet uh, Zymar or something like that in the Pleiadian cluster. And I remember A. Whitney Brown asking the guy about it, and and then he he poses the question, the Pleiadian cluster, does that have nougat? (laughs) I mean, it was just a fun show. Craig Kilborn leaves, Jon Stewart joins the show, and then its popularity soared in the early 2000s. And then I noticed something really bizarre. Every cable news outlet journalist, every Good Morning American journalist, Matt Lauer down the road, they're all like, I love The Daily Show. The Daily Show was lauded for everything. And then what happened? They flipped Jon Stewart. I mean, he was always kind of there, but he really flipped. And then they went full-blown propaganda after he left, put Trevor Noah in there, and now it's completely unwatchable. And that's the cycle they employ. They don't really care if they leave a shell of once was great in their wake. They only care that they were able to exploit it and get their indoctrination out. And capitalist ventures are more than willing to oblige these days. The only business sector where they were unsuccessful in attempting this was AM radio and 24-7 cable news outlets. AM radio is an archaic dead animal. A lone conservative voice revived it and made it flourish beyond belief. And then they attempted to replicate this success with the failed Air America platform that was disastrous. It was awful. And the same thing, same thing can be said for 24-7 cable news. They own that model. CNN put, put itself on the map with the first Gulf War. They started it and multiplied within it. MSNBC popped up. You had, you know, you had all these different things come up. And then a conservative outlet arrived and it crushed them in the ratings and, and has never let up. And they've been livid over it ever since. The business, you know, they want security 
from failure. And they also want security for their market share. And they know government can provide both. They want government to eliminate their competition for them. They also want government to be there for the financial bailout if they collapse. Well, what they don't realize is there is a market for conservatism and they keep squashing it. That's why social media blew up with conservative uh, voices. That's why they're having to do this because it's a popular opinion and they don't want popular opinions. They want to destroy it. It's why I believe the news business is so enamored with government. They want to become BBC. They, you, that way you don't have to produce ratings. You don't have to do something that matters. You can fail miserably, and guess what? It's A-OK. But if you're a conservative out there, you're actually starting to become successful like Steven Crowder because there's a yearning for it. And then what do they do? The outlets that are around it will destroy you economically. They will erase you from the platforms because your viewpoint is too dangerous for them. Real quick, just to clarify something about China, just so that you know what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about how a business enters into the Chinese marketplace and how they have to have some sort of ownership, what I'm really talking about is the best vehicle for entry to the Chinese market typically is what they call a joint venture. You have to partner with the Chinese to be a part of it. Some won't even let you into their industry. You know, telecommunications, uh, energy sectors. But basically, you know, the, the plus side for a joint venture is, you know, it's mandatory in some industries. The opportunity to utilize existing sales networks and customer bases of the Chinese company is available. You have access to your uh, joint venture partners' existing resources. You have uh, production facilities that are owned by the Chinese and a low-cost base of management. You've got your own local Chinese management. But the downside is less managerial control. How about finding a trustworthy partner? How about challenging to agree to the terms of the partnership? And it may be a long negotiation period. There's a potential risk of, you know, tech, technology leaking. And the success may depend on having staff on the ground to oversee the operations and the partners likely to negotiate. So that's where it all falls apart in the joint venture field. But that's how you enter the Chinese marketplace because they have tight regulations, tight control, and you lose autonomy and you lose a lot of your business say when you enter the Chinese marketplace. Again, China has been putting, you know, microchips in our F-35s there that are suspect. You know what I mean? They could be spying on whatever technological uh, data is going through those airplanes. You know, that you've got the 5G network. We've got businesses, tech businesses that are American businesses that are willing to partner up with China for a 5G infrastructure. How insane is that? We're going to allow data to just go through a network developed by the Chinese who are making social credit scores against their very own people for not being the type of person that you should be based upon what the state requires. That's insane. You look at Huawei, the tech company from China. They have a phone that I saw. It was unbelievable. This thing... It was a cell phone with a, with a camera, 
And the video camera, the guy was maybe on like the 20th floor of a of an apartment building somewhere. And he scrolls down, he drills down with the camera all the way down to two people playing chess, down to the freaking chess piece, completely clear as day. That's not a surveillance issue. I don't know what is. So Trump has every right to put up a fight over whether uh, Huawei enters into the American market. And in doing so, China's pissed. And this is from the New York Times. The Chinese government summoned major tech companies, including Microsoft and Dell from the United States and Samsung from South Korea, to warn that they could face dire consequences if they cooperate with the Trump administration's ban on sales of key American technology to Chinese companies, according to people familiar with the meetings. The meetings came soon after Beijing's announcement that it was assembling a list of unreliable companies and individuals. Ooh, there's social credit scores for businesses now, huh? That list is widely seen as a way of hitting back on the Trump administration for its decision to cut off Huawei, the Chinese electronics giant, from sales of American technology. The United States has accused Huawei of stealing trade secrets and conducting surveillance on behalf of Beijing. Details about the meetings, the latest move in two weeks of high-stakes economic brinksmanship between the United States and China, were shared by two people familiar with them, who asked not to be named because they were not authorized to discuss you know, the issue and could face retribution. The meetings also include semiconductor makers Arm of Britain and SK Hyinks of South Korea. Dominic Carr, a Microsoft spokesman in Seattle, declined to comment on the meeting, as did Phil Hughes, a representative for Arm in Austin, Texas, and Dave Farmer, a spokesman for Dell. So everybody's being quiet about this. But China wants to crack down on businesses operating in their borders. But you know what? These businesses, they're willing to do so. I mean, you've got the, the New what, Washington Post allowing Chinese propaganda in its, in its newspaper. It's no different than what's going on here. So these are things we have to realize that not only that, China is pulling out of the World Trade Organization over its claim that it isn't a market economy. China has halted a dispute at the World Trade Organization over its claim that they are a market economy. A panel of three WTO adjudicators said on Monday, meaning Beijing must accept continued EU and U.S. anti-dumping levies on, chi on cheap Chinese goods. So what China would do is bring items over that are competitors to American items or maybe EU items and just lower the price beyond belief causing the market to just take a dive on those items. So now you're competing with items that you can't compete with because the cost to cr create those items are impossible to make a profit on. One trade official close to the case said much of the ruling had gone against Beijing and that it had opted to pull out the plug before the result became official. They lost so much that they didn't even want the world to see the panel's reasoning. Without a WTO ruling in Beijing's favor, the EU and the, and the United States can keep imposing duties on cheap imports from China while disregarding its claim that they're fairly priced. China is an economic warrior, and China is a communist nation. And where I can see where the lure of people who run businesses on a global scale are going, hey, that's a market we could tap into. Look at the millions and millions or billions of people that are available as new customers. That's great. 
But guess what? You're ceding your American capitalism over to do so. And the fact that the, ca- the fact that most of these CEOs have now flipped towards being progressive socialist is telling. Because like I said before in the last show, they're kicking the door behind them after they've got themselves in a position off of the backs of capitalism to benefit beyond belief. And they're doing so to destroy competition, but also to gain favor from governmental regulation and governmental uh, support if things fall apart for them as a business. And so entering China, they're more than willing to shed their American patriotism in favor for operating in a new market in China. And we have to realize this is an issue. We can't just look at it as capitalism versus socialism anymore. We have to look at it as free marketism versus cronyism and socialism. It's all tied together. That's free markets, a local level business to business relationship. Crony corporatism is siding up with socialism and they will implement it if we don't have somebody in office or in Congress to make it happen through a political means. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo 50 Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to mojo50.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m. You can also listen to us on the weekends, Saturday, 5 p.m., Sunday morning, midnight. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted. And be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parlor, Convo, Snippy. Search Adrian Slade. Follow us on Twitter at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show, which is the official show page on Twitter. And you can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also get the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store on the Roku streaming channel store. Be sure to download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.